You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to c3sandiego.com. As I was getting into to this message and studying it, I just I found that it's it's kind of like um, one of the to-go containers of rice. You know, they like somehow, some way, like when you open that thing up, it looks so small, but you start putting it out on your plate, like the rice just expands. And like, like, how is all of this coming out of that little box? And that's what I found with this message is like getting into it. There's just like more keeps coming out, more keeps coming out. But uh, and and I was excited for that. But really, I like I want to. My job here today is to get out of the way as quickly as possible because I know that God is going to do something powerful. I've been believing for it, been praying for it, fasting for it this week. Um, you know, I wasn't drinking any, any wine or alcohol this week because I want God to pour out his wine onto each one of us here today. The title of this message is New Wine. So what I'd like for you to do uh, as, we, as we step through just very quickly um, I'd like for you to prepare your hearts, prepare your hearts for what God is going to do. Like I know that, I know that uh, God is moving, but um, the truth is, is that, that if you want God to move in your life, then something is going to be required of you, a step of faith. You're going to be required to take a step of faith. You're going to be required to, to do something maybe that you've never done before. And, and, you know, I don't know what that is. The, the leadership team do, doesn't know what that is, but you know what that is. What, is. what is God asking you to do today that's gonna create that space for him to move, that create that space for him to fill it? You know, if you have a desire, if you have a hunger, uh, a yearning for new wine, it's here. It's here today. Like, you have to open up yourself. You have to take that step of faith. So, so be ready for that. Be ready for what God is gonna do and be ready uh, and listen to, to what he's asking you to do, something different, something new, to receive that new wine. So the two things, just very quickly, that I wanna talk about today um, are, the first one is the wine. The wine, and that, that passage of scripture, Luke 5, 37 to 39, that, that Pastor Phil was focusing on reading. When I was looking at that, uh, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. This, this passage of Scripture actually shows up uh, in two other Gospels as well. The, the same phrasing, the same Scripture is, is in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I was looking at, at this Scripture, and, and just before this, this passage, there's actually three different stories or three different parables, three examples uh, that, that God brings, but they're all in the same order in each of the Gospels. When, when God repeats something in his word, it's not because he thinks you, you didn't hear it, but he wants to emphasize it. He wants to show you this is something important. I, I want you to focus on this. I want you to really understand it, not just on a surface level, but a deeper level. So if we look at these, the, the, the first story that, that happens in this sequence is about a paralytic. That, um, you know, and most of us have heard the story where there's, there's this paralytic man and he has these four friends that, that want to bring him to Jesus because they desire for him to be healed. And the house is crowded, they can't get in, so these friends, they take him up onto the roof. And uh, I don't know why they thought it, like, it, was, it was a good idea to go up on the roof, but, but they went up there and, you know, obviously it's a roof, so there's no way to get in. But they made a way. They started digging a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down to Jesus. In the, I mean, can you imagine, like, stuff just starts falling? falling from the ceiling right in front of Jesus' feet. You know, everybody around is thinking, what the heck is going on? And all of a sudden, this, like, this, this man starts coming down from the ceiling. And it, nowhere in the Bible does it say that the paralytic wanted to be healed. It just says that his friends wanted him to be healed. Maybe they were tired of carrying him around all over the place. Like, we're going to get this guy healed. You know, maybe this Jesus guy can do it. 
So they lower this guy down, and Jesus looks at them. He looks at the friends, and he says, because of your faith, this man is healed. And he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And of course, this makes all the religious leaders around the room really upset. Like, who are you? Who are you to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, because of, of your unbelief, I'm demonstrating right now, like, which is, it, which is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk, be healed. But so that you know that the Son of God, the Son of Man has power to do both, I'm saying right now, your sins are forgiven and rise and be healed. And the man lifts up, picks up his bed, and walks out of the room healed. Jesus shifted their thinking. He shifted the system. He, he rearranged in their mind. He rewired some things to get them to a new place of thinking. He poured out new wine in that place. The second story, there's a tax collector named Levi. Jesus comes along. He sees Levi doing his job collecting taxes, and he just says, Come and follow me. Come and follow me. And in fact, I'm going to have dinner at your place tonight. Isn't it, wouldn't it be great to be Jesus, just walk around, hey, you, I'm having dinner at your place tonight. Josh Fire, I'm, ha I'm having dinner at your place tonight. So Levi, and an interesting thing about this story is that it, it occurs in all three of those, those gospels, but in, in Luke and Mark, it, he's called Levi because that was his original name. But in Matthew, who the story is actually about, Matthew calls himself Matthew. Matthew calls himself the name that Jesus called him, not the name that everybody else knew about him because Jesus had changed his identity in that moment. So Matthew, Levi, gets all his friends. He brings them around, brings them to the house, and uh, all his tax collector buddies and the unsavory sort. And the religious leaders, again, get mad. They say, why is Jesus having lunch, having dinner with all these unsavory characters? Why is he hanging around tax collectors? And Jesus simply says, well... Healthy people don't need a doctor, the sick people do. I have not come to call the, those that, that think that they are righteous, but I have come to call those who know they are sinners and want and desire for repentance. Again, he shakes up the system. The last one, the last example that, that Jesus uses is fasting. The religious leaders, they see Jesus' disciples. They see that, that they're not acting the way disciples are spoke to, supposed to ask. John, John's disciples and the religious leaders, they, they, they all participate. They all uh, perform the act of fasting. But they said, Jesus, how come your disciples don't do this? How come you're not teaching your people to conform to the old system? And Jesus simply says in that place, if you're at a wedding, you want to celebrate with the bridegroom. You want to celebrate with that person. This is the wedding feast right now because he, Jesus, is the new wine. But after I'm gone, then they'll participate. Then they'll do that old system. In all of these things, we start to see a pattern forming. Jesus does something new, something that doesn't fit well with the old system. It makes the people in the old system mad. But then Jesus teaches a new system. There's a pattern of new wine being poured out in all of this so that when we come to the illustration of new wine, you have an understanding of what Jesus is trying to do. He's trying to, to reorder, to rearrange, to reformat the old systems. He's doing a control-alt-delete. 
on the old systems. Like sometimes we need that. We need the control alt delete in our lives. Sometimes we feel like bugs are coming in and the system is just not operating effectively, not operating that it, it, the way that it needs to. We need to allow Jesus to restore the system in our lives. We need to, to have that desire for new wine. That's what C3 Church is all about. C3 Church is a new wine. You know, in the history of the country, we're a relatively new church. We're only 40 some odd years old. Actually, not even quite 40. You know, if you, look at the, if you look at Methodist Church or Baptist Church, any of those other churches, we're pretty new. And then if you look at the Catholic Church, which is, almost, is over 2,000 years old, if you look at, at the Jewish faith, which is over 3,400 years old, we're, a, we're an incredible, we're babies. We're babies in the church world. But God is pouring out new wine onto C3. Our core values are fresh, real, and powerful. Fresh, real, and powerful. Like we always want to be fresh. We always want to be seeking that new wine. Not just what God said, but what is God saying right now in this time? What is God speaking to me? What is God speaking to the church? We need to have a desire, a hunger for that new wine. And it's probably not going to fit well with the old systems, the old way of thinking. But does that mean we have to throw everything out that we've learned? Does that mean that, 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 that my upbringing in a, in a Methodist church wasn't a value? No, far from it. That was the foundation of my faith, foundation of my belief. It taught me to, to, to read the Bible. It taught me to learn to love the Bible, love, love what God is doing, to love God. And we see that actually right after this in, in Matthew 9, 18. It says this, as Jesus was saying this, talking about the new wine, the leader of a synagogue, a religious leader, came and knelt before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand on her. Nothing in his old way of thinking was gonna help his daughter. Nothing in the religious services that he's done, nothing in what he had been taught, what he had been raised with was gonna help him in that dire situation, that time of the greatest need of his life. None of those things, like he, he racked his brain, he pressed it, he'd done everything that, that the law, that the religion that he was used to could afford, but nothing was gonna fix it. Nothing was gonna bring his daughter back. But he heard about this man, Jesus. Maybe he, he listened to some of his teachings. Maybe he was even one of the scoffers that was laughing at Jesus before his daughter died. But after his daughter died, all of that didn't matter anymore. The only thing that mattered is that there was a chance there was this one opportunity, this one hope, that maybe, just maybe, this man is who he says he was. Maybe he had the power of God on his spirit. Maybe he could do the thing for me that I want, that I need above more than anything else in the world, which is to bring my little girl back. Maybe, maybe it'll happen. And that's all we're asking for today. That's all, that's all I, I want you to get today, is that maybe there's new wine for you today. Whatever it is that you need, whatever you're going through, maybe Jesus has that new wine for you. Can you create this space? Can you, like this religious leader, put all those old ways of thinking behind you? Can you leave the old teachings just for a moment, just for a moment, and look for that thing that God has for you? Can you look for that new wine? Can you look for that spirit of Christ to come into your life? Do you desire it? Do you have a need like this man did? Maybe, maybe your daughter's not dead, but maybe you're facing a challenge today that seems just as hopeless. Maybe you're facing something today where, where everything else you've tried hasn't worked, but maybe, just maybe, Jesus has the answer for you today. And I wanna encourage you, friend, that he does. 
He does have the answer to you today. He has new wine for you today. He has the ability to take you out of that situation. And just like this religious leader, Jesus said yes. He said, I'll come. And he went to that house and he spoke to that girl. A simple word, get up. Get up, and she rose. She rose from the dead. When he created this space for new wine, he created a wineskin, and Jesus came and made good. Jesus came and poured out that new wineskin. He gave him, he restored that, daughter, that little girl's life. He poured out that new wine, that spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead was poured out onto that little girl that day because a man had a desire. He had a desire for new wine, and he made this space. He, he put away the old things, and he, he believed. He stepped out in faith. It was probably the hardest thing in the world for him to step up to Jesus and do this ask. A religious leader, everybody was looking at him to condemn Jesus, condemn this new teaching, but he said, none of that matters because I'm going after my miracle today. The second thing that, that I want to unpack for you today is the gift, the gift. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remissions of sins. And watch this, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Phil talked about that, the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just for a second, parents, I want you to, I want you to imagine that your kid's birthday is coming up. I want you to imagine that, that you've, you've thought about it and, and you've, you've come to terms on the, ex the exact right gift for your kid, or maybe a group of gifts, and you, you just know that they're gonna love it so much, so you go out and you, you create it, or you buy it, or you do whatever you have to do, you wrap it up, you make it night, you, you throw this whole party, and then it comes to the end of the party, and, and you're presenting the gifts to your kid. And, and when your kid sees the gift, they're, they're overjoyed, the, the wrapping, the bow, everything, the party that's around, everything is, is perfect. It's amazing that, that you, their parent, would give them this gift. They take the gift and they, they hold on to it and they're, they're beaming, they're like their, their face is, is smiling and they're so excited. And then they take that gift and they go and put it in their room. Wouldn't that be a little bit deflating? Wouldn't it be like, 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 no, there's, there's actually something inside. It's not, it's not just a box with a bow and this pretty thing. You can actually open it. You can actually have something from the inside. And I've, I've, I've like, worked my whole life for this. I've desired, I know that you're going to love it so much. I know it's exactly what you need. But, but all they see is the package. And, and you know, for whatever reason, they, they don't want to tear it open. They don't want to break into it. They just want to keep that gift and hold on to it. God didn't give us the Holy Spirit to hold on to in our room until the day we die. The Holy Spirit is not, is not for when, when we're in heaven because when we're in heaven, we'll be with God. Like the Holy Spirit is God's avenue, his method to communicate with us on this side of heaven, that we actually can unpack the Holy Spirit, that we can open it up, and God is, is, is just like you as that parent. He's so excited for you to un open up, to unpack the gift of the Holy Spirit because there's so much in it. There's so much in who the Holy Spirit is. There's so many levels to the gifts that he has for you. Do you guys know what the, uh, the like Russian nesting dolls are? You know, the little dolls, and you like pull one off, and there's another doll just like it. And you pull that off, and there's another doll. That's kind of like the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a Russi Russian nesting doll, and he's a to-go box of rice. He's all of those things. You can just keep unpacking it. You can keep opening up next level, next level, next level. What else have you got for me? There's so much in it. Do you, do you want to know what the gifts are? You know what the gifts are that God gives us? All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 
verse 3 to 11. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus. And no one, this is important, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. That shows us right there. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that you have been given. You've already got the Holy Spirit in you. Because nobody can say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So that you know if you've received Jesus Christ, you know if you have him as your Lord and Savior, then you've already got the gift. You've already received it. But what you have to do now is you have to unpack it. Verse 4, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who works in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, like joy, great faith. And to someone else, the Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. All these gifts, so much to unpack. Maybe, maybe you've started to kind of operate in some of these gifts. Maybe you've been operating in some of these gifts for a while. There's, there's people here who have, who have been in, in ministry, been pastors, been leaders, and, and they've been operating in, in these gifts. Or maybe some of them, one of them, a different one. Take the next layer off. Open the next package. God has something new for you today. There's new wine for you today. Even if you've been operating in one or more of these gifts, there's a new gift. There's a new wine that's going to be poured out today. At the end of this message, we're going to open up the altar. We're going to have the ministry team down here. Whatever gift is, that, that, whatever is the gift that God desires to get to you today, open, open yourself up. And how do you know which one that is? When I was reading off that, that scripture, when I was reading that passage, did something, like, jump out? Did, did, did when I said one of those gifts, did, did all of a sudden something in your spirit just kind of, like, like woke up? That's the Holy Spirit, because we know the Holy Spirit lives in you. He's trying to teach you. He's trying to show you that, that he has something specific for you today. He's deciding what you're getting. All you're saying is, I'm open, whatever it is. And you'll know because he'll show you. He'll lead you in that. And just like it says in verse 7, that, that these gifts have been given to us so that we can help each other. The gift is not just for you. It's not just to, to edify you. The gifts that you're desiring right now are to help somebody else. That dad needed that gift of faith so that he could help his dead daughter. What is it that you're supposed to do today? Who are you supposed to help today? What's your calling? It's not just for you, but you're the first recipient of that gift. If you don't open the gift, other people don't get blessed. You have to have a hunger, a desire that, that you're going to expand, you're going to renew, you're going to rewire that way of thinking so that you can help yourself and help somebody else. That we need to be filled up so that we can pour out. It's interesting in the scripture when Jesus says, no one, the original scripture, no one, no one immediately desires the new wine when they've tasted the old because they say the old is better. Old wine is better. And we kind of we understand that any of us that are wine drinkers, that, that the age has time, the, the wine has had time to age. You know, it's, it's, it's stored, it's, it's, it's matured, it's developed those complex flavors. And, and we say, yeah, absolutely, the old wine is better. The only thing about 
the Bible is, is that it, it rewires our thinking. It changes our perceptions. And how do, how do I know that? It's, it's, it's not a coincidence that Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Now, in the story, um, you know, we, we kind of know it. The, the, there's a wedding feast, and, and they run out of wine, and Jesus' mom says, oh, we can't let this happen. Jesus, come over here. Servants, come over here. You, servants, do what he tells you to do. And, and Jesus is like, Mom, it's not my time yet. He's like, and his mom doesn't even listen. She's like, just do what he tells you to do. And so he said, okay, fine. Fill the water pots with water. And then he tells the servants. So there's water in the water pots right now. He tells the servants, I want you to take some of that wine and take it to the master of the feast. Now, I, the Bible doesn't say exactly when it happened, but somewhere between the servants dipping the cup or whatever it is into those jars of water, walking over to the master of the feast, be careful here, <laughs> presenting it to him, and him taking a sip. Somewhere in that 50 seconds, the water became wine. That has gotta be the newest vintage of wine that's ever happened in this planet. That is the newest wine, but it says, based on the story, that it was the best. The best wine was also the newest. That's what Jesus does. He rearranges your thinking. In a moment, in a moment, what you thought was right. You thought the old systems were, were the best. You thought that that was, that was the only way or that was the best way. But in a moment, he can rearrange that if you let him. He can show you that the new wine is the best wine. This new thing I have for you, that's the best thing that you've ever tasted in your life. Do you have a desire today? Do you have a hunger? Do you have a thirst for that new wine? But as it says in the scripture, New wine, it's gotta be put in new wineskins. You can't put new wine in old wineskins. What does that mean? What, like, how, do I, how do I get a new wine? Okay, I, I want the new wine, I got it, yeah. So what is a new wineskin? It's simple, it's simple. Taking the step of faith. Creating the space for him to move in your life. Doing something that you've never done before. Maybe it's raising your hands, maybe it's coming down to the altar. What is that thing that, that God is asking of you today to, to create a new wineskin so that he can pour out his new wine into it? We're gonna pray for people right now. And I wanna encourage you to take this step of faith, to unwrap that gift. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to c3sandiego.com.